So what do you delight in? What do you really love so much that you think about it all the time? For many of us, the first thing that comes to mind is an object or something that we own. But as we'll learn today, that's not it at all. Here's Pastor David. This time we're going to begin with verse 2 of chapter 1. I'm going to read it to you now. It says this, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Who's him? Well, him is the man who's blessed, the person who's blessed, which we find out in the first verse. And the first verse says, the person who's blessed doesn't do this, this, and this. And now it says, but, in other words, rather, rather than these things that he doesn't do, he does do these things. And they are, as I just read, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. So the law, the law of man is often like that thing that if you don't do what you're supposed to do, a policeman comes and takes you to jail or whatever, and a judge sentences you and so on. So we kind of look at the law as like this thing that's sort of against us. The law of God, what's in the word, oftentimes people look at it as sort of God has made all these rules, and it's like do exactly what he says or zap, right? There's judgment, there's punishment, whatever. And so when we hear the word law, we often think of it as sort of an affront to our personal freedom. But that's not what we're talking about here. The word law here in the Hebrew is the word Torah. Now, you may have heard the word Torah used in a couple of different ways. One way that it's used is to refer to the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? That's called the the Torah or the books of Moses or the Pentateuch. That's, That's one way that we use the word Torah. Another way that it is used is just the teachings. All of the scriptures, the Torah, the word of God, the teachings, It's less about law in the way that some people might think about it and more about the teachings, the teachings, the Torah. And so because the Bible is the word of God, it's literally God's word, we are to delight in his teachings, in the Torah. Now that we don't use the word delight a lot, I rarely say, oh, I'm just so delighted. I I rarely say that because that's just not the way a lot of us talk anymore. But delight is pleasure. We're to take pleasure in, to love the Torah, the teachings, the scripture, the law. It is a blessing beyond imagining that we, rebellious, broken humans, have been entrusted with and given the gift of having the word of God. God didn't have to do that. He didn't owe us that, but he gave it to us, and we should have a reverence and a love for the Word of God. The Jewish people, they celebrate a holiday called Simchat Torah. And it means rejoicing in the Torah. And what they'll do is, they will, it's, it's on the last day of, of, the, of the readings, the Torah readings. So they read through the, the first five books. And it's the last, they do the last reading of Deuteronomy. And then they do the first reading of Genesis. And on that day, they celebrate. What they do is they take the Torah scrolls out of what they call the ark, which is where they keep all these Torah scrolls. They take them out and they celebrate. And they take it and they'll hug them and they'll dance around with the Torah. And they're so happy to have the scriptures. I don't know about you, but, but I very, very rarely look at my Bible and go, I want to dance. I'm very rarely like that, but the Jewish people, they love it. And we should too. We should have a reverence for the law, for the Torah, for the teachings, for the scripture that God gave this to us. It should excite us and we should have joy and take pleasure in it and be delighted in the law, in the Torah, in the teachings. 
We meet with each other. For me, myself, I meet with a number of people every week, whether it's the staff or the other pastors. I meet with different people in the church, and oftentimes in these meetings, we're just delighting in the teachings. We bring up a, a subject, and maybe we're going to get in there, and we're going to look at the word verse, and we're going we're to talk about what it means and who God is and what he's doing, and there's an excitement that comes with that because we have the word of God. It's an amazing thing. And because we love it so much, and because Acts Church, which is you and me and us, are so serious about the teachings, about the scriptures, we do not take well to those who would twist or pervert the scriptures. We don't take well to it. It's not something that we're okay with. We delight in them, in studying them. And so when we see other Christians who attempt to pervert or to twist the scripture, to change the meaning, or to suggest that some of the scriptures are true, you know, actually, and then some of the scriptures, well, that was written by men at a certain time, and they don't really, whatever. And it's so it seems that it always seems to be the scriptures that they like are the ones that are true, and the ones that are tough are the ones that maybe we don't really need to worry about. We don't like that. We don't like that because we love the scriptures. I want you to think for a moment about Star Wars. Star Wars. They came out with a movie a couple years ago. Um, not this last one, but the one before. It was called The Last Jedi. And when they came out with that movie, there was an outcry. People went loopy over what they did in this movie. They just went crazy. Star Wars fans have an idea of what Star Wars is, of what it was intended to be, of how the story should go, of what the rules are, and so on. And you violate their idea of what Star Wars should be at your peril. The bottom line is, Ryan Johnson, or whatever the guy's name is who made The Last Jedi, he twisted, he perverted what Star Wars was supposed to be. And he messed with the way the story was supposed to go and the way that the characters are kind of the rules of the universe and hyperspace and whatever, right? He did all that. And boy, did they get mad. And I can go online and find the ruined this, 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 this. But here's the thing. There are false teachers out there in the world that say false things about the word of God. And we don't get as upset about it as they get about Star Wars. That says something about where we are in delighting in the law of the Lord. That we can, see, they delight in Star Wars. You mess with it and you're going to get it. We're supposed to delight in the word of God. People mess with it all the time and we don't say much. We mess with it sometimes. We'll get to that in a minute. We are supposed to love the law, the teachings, the Torah. We are supposed to delight in it and take pleasure in it. We're supposed to protect that which we love. That means if we're going to protect it, we have to know it. If we're going to love it, if we're going to delight in it, we have to know it. We are called to know it. Listen to what the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to write in Acts 17 about the Bereans. Listen to this. This is 17, 10 through 12 in Acts. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. If you recall, often the synagogue, the Jews in the synagogue were not very fair-minded towards Paul. But these were more fair-minded. In that they received the word with all readiness 
and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. The Jewish Bereans searched the scriptures when Paul preached. Why? They knew the scriptures. They loved the scriptures, the teachings, the Torah. They loved it. So when Paul came to them and said, let me tell you about Jesus, what that did for them was it it helped them to have a new view of what the scripture was. Because let me tell you something. It's all about Jesus. Page one to page whatever it is. Okay, From the beginning to the end, the scriptures, the teachings are about Jesus. And so because they knew the scripture, because they loved the scripture, they had all readiness to hear the good news. And many of them were saved. Not few, many. As well as Greeks, Gentiles, prominent women and men. Why? They loved the scriptures. So when the word of God came fulfilled in the message of Jesus Christ, they were ready for it. Because they loved it, because they knew it, because they meditated on it. Paul brought the message of Christ, and it unlocked the whole thing. Ah, now I see. Just as Jesus did on the road to Emmaus with the two disciples. And he opened the scriptures to them and started showing them how it was all about him. This is what it's like for those who love the word. When truth comes, you recognize it. You're ready for it. You love it. We need to delight in the Torah and the teachings. Then the scripture says, and he meditates on it day and night. Now, the word meditate in our sort of Western culture has sort of borrowed a lot of ideas from Eastern culture. So it's got kind of muddied up. Kind of muddy up the word. We think of meditate sometimes as like the, you know, the thing you sit there with the, or, you know, empty your mind and think about one hand clapping or whatever. That kind of thing, right? It's like a little, whatever, okay? That's what, when we say meditate, a lot of people think, oh, do you meditate? Oh, you're so spiritual, right? That's not what we're talking about. The The word meditate here means something more like to mutter under your breath. You ever had to do something? You're getting ready to do whatever it is, something hard, and you're going to yourself, okay, I know I can do this. I know I can do this. I know I can do this. I'm ready for it. I can do it. Like that? That's meditating. You're preparing yourself with some truth. Maybe you've had the experience scripturally. You're going through something very difficult in life, and you are just holding on to certain promises of God that he's given you in scripture, and you're speaking them to yourself, whether in your heart or out loud. I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things will work together for good. For those who love God, right? For those who are the call according to his purpose. You're saying these things because you need it, because you're going through that time. That's meditating. You're focused on the scripture. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. That's meditating. Thinking about it day and night. Day and night, that pretty much covers it all. All the time. All the time. Muttering it under your breath. Thinking about it in your heart. Loves the scripture, meditates on it day and night. This is what it looks like to be blessed, to be a blessed person. This is what it's all about. You delight, delight in the scriptures. You meditate. You fill your days and nights with the teachings, with the Torah. Now, I am not talking about all you ever do is read your Bible. That's not what I'm saying. 
Sometimes you have to drive, and I do not recommend trying to read your Bible and drive. They probably will pull you over for that, and they should, okay? I don't recommend trying to read the Bible when you're taking the shower. or what, like, There's things that you just, it doesn't make sense, okay? We should probably be reading it more. I should be reading it more than I do, but it's not just the reading. It's the teaching. It's the learning. It's the growing. It's constant. It doesn't stop day and night, day after day, because in the teachings, in the Torah, in the scripture, the teachings of the Lord, we find life. That's where we find it. We find life in the teachings. We find the promise of the Messiah, of Jesus. All through this, we're going to get it in Psalms. We're going to get all through it. In all, all of this here, everything is leading to, hey, the Messiah is coming. And then we see what? We see that Christmas message, right? Not December 25th. That's another thing that we did. But the real Christmas message comes and says what? Good news. The Messiah is coming. And the incarnation, God becomes man in Jesus Christ. And then we see his ministry, his death, and his resurrection, which gives us our only hope for forgiveness, for eternal life, and for our own resurrection to not have to deal with these broken bodies anymore. All of that is in the scriptures. Salvation, hope, eternal life, resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the future resurrection of you. The promise of forgiveness of sin. What could be more glorious? What could I delight in more than that? We find it all in the scriptures. That's why we love them. And by the way, all the things that are good about it, the hope, salvation, forgiveness, Jesus resurrected, the promises, all of that is true. But if all of that is true, guess what else is true? Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not commit adultery. All of that. See, if one is true, the other is true also. You can't break off part of it. It's all one. We like the kind of promisey stuff, right? We're kind of all about that. We don't always pay attention to the fact that if that's true, so is the rest of it. If God is telling us the way to salvation, he's also telling us the way to live. All of it is true. Our job is to look at the Torah, the teachings, and understand the purpose that God made us for in his image and likeness and how we should walk in the truth. What a lot of people call the moral law. We ignore that part, the moral law, to our own destruction. We can't hold all the promises and ignore the moral law. We try to do it. A lot of churches these days, a lot of people, they get this sort of, I'm going to call it the economic view of the gospel. The economic view. It says something like this. I'm going to tell you what you need to know that you can feel good or happy about what it's going to do for you. And I'm going to ignore all the parts that are about what you have to do. Advertisement has been this way forever. It's always sought to, to appeal to, as one of the great economists said, appeal to the other person's self-love. Advertisement, the way the world tries to make money off you, is to tell you what it's going to do for you instead of focusing on what you actually need. The gospel's different. It tells us what we need. Listen to this. James. Holy Spirit inspired James to write the book of James it's the brother of Jesus, what he says in chapter 1, verses 23 through 25. But be doers of the word, 
not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you hear the word and don't do it, you're deceiving yourself. Why? Because you think that because you keep hearing it, you keep showing up here, you keep hearing the word, you sort of think that things are going okay, but if you're not doing it, you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. It says this, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Here comes that mirror stuff. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now, what did he just say? This one will be blessed in what he does. In James, we hear of the blessed person. In Psalm 1, we hear of the blessed person. You think they might be talking about the same person? Yes, it's all connected. What does the blessed person do? In both cases, this person looks into the Torah, the teachings. That's how the blessing comes. They look to the Torah and they do it. They listen to the law, to the Torah. They look into it. It becomes a mirror. When we look into this and we read it, the more that we do, the more that we see ourselves and the fact that we don't measure up. That there's a standard of holiness. God is holy. He cannot be connected to that which is unholy. And what we find out very quickly as we look into the mirror is that we are unholy. We see who we are in the mirror. We see that our righteousness is filthy rags, Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousness, all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. You're going to see that kind of language later in Psalm 1. Romans 3.10 tells us, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. We look at the scripture and we know we have sinned. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we see that we know we need Jesus. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We learn that God loves us and Christ died for us. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We learn that we can be forgiven. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we learn that we can be saved. Romans 10.9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All of this we see in the mirror of the Torah, of the teachings. We see our need for God's forgiveness. Our need. Without seeing that, why would we ever want Jesus if we can do it all by ourselves? We see the need that we had for Christ to pay the price for our redemption because we're lost and we're broken and we had to be redeemed. That's really the bottom line, isn't it? We need Jesus. And if you still aren't sure about all this, you have questions, or we can help you receive him, please call us, 360-885-9000. 
We're not going to sell you anything, just point you to the truth that really will set you free. 360-885-9000. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check out Part 2 for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate. Contemplate.